it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Now, when a virus comes along that's spreading like a plague, and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague, well, then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well, unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better. <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War I. Today, we have mass media and scientists to say if you don't want this virus, well, then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation. Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Tom Sumner, program.com. Tom Sumner Program.com
Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a neuropsychiatrist and the author of a uh, new book called The Secret Language of Cells and uh, offers uh, a unique perspective on health and healing. He is Dr. John Leaf. He joins me by phone. John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, John, first of all, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yeah, it's like a leaf on a tree. Good, good. Um, And the other thing is, um, what is a neuropsychiatrist? Well, I treat um, patients that have both medical, neurological, and psychiatric illness in patients. So I've treated a wide variety of of, uh, different illnesses where there is some psychiatric component. And this uh, book, The Secret Language of Cells, how do cells um, play or factor into health and healing compared to, say, DNA? Well, DNA is, is just an instruction section of the cell. The cell is like a little city or village that functions with all kinds of things happening. And uh, the DNA interacts with the rest of the cell, creating the necessary proteins and RNA. Cells are considered to be the basis of life. It's sort of the unit of cells. And my interest came from originally neurons, where neurons signal to each other in circuits in the brain. But then it became apparent to me, after doing a lot of research and a lot of blogging, that all cells signal the same way neurons do uh, in all kinds of ways, and that in actual fact, uh, there's as much communication going on between, like, for example, the immune system and the brain as there is uh, just in the brain. So looking at cells in this new way, um, it, it brings up, like, what is health and disease and how do we find treatments? It affects the brain-body connection. It changes how we look at how biology works and possibly the definition of life, because life had been really a cell that reproduces, but now we're saying the cells talk to each other and have a form of primitive intelligence that where they're sending signals, and everything that occurs in the body and in biology is based upon multiple conversations throughout the body, throughout nature. So, so microbes are talking to gut cells and immune cells. Uh, blood vessel cells are talking to uh, organ cells and brain cells. And uh, things don't happen because of just one little area, like the kidney. You don't just study the kidney anymore. You study how signals and communication is occurring all through the body, through the blood vessels, the brain, uh, the neurons, uh, uh, traveling immune cells, and how they affect the kidney. So it's a whole different way of looking at biology. It's a little more complicated, but it, it, it shows us how we can get a lot more new medical treatments. It shows the avenues to new medical treatments. And yeah. that's what's happening in the modern medicine. I mean, that's what's occurring. Yeah, I wanted, wanted to um, ask about that. I've, I've always had this... Uh, this saying that, um, well, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek, but I, I've always said, mind over what's the matter. Um, yeah, well, you know, as a psychiatrist, I see how mind affects everything, affects the body, 
and we see how the body affects the mind when you have a disease or an illness it affects the body but the truth is there's really no separation they're really all it it's like all the cells in the body are talking to each other so really the entire body is the brain um, this is most dramatically shown with new research on, on immunity and how immune cells talk to brain cells. So, for example, when we get sick, it's a, an immune cell, a T cell, sends a signal to the brain and tells the brain that we're sick and that we should slow down, and it creates the sick feeling. So another thing is these T cells send signals to make new memory cells that are absolutely necessary, and when we're depressed, it, the signals create less memory cells. When we're very stressed out, less memory cells. Um, and then when we're back to normal, the immune cells signal for more normal brain cells. So there's a constant back and forth signaling, and you really can't separate the brain and the body anymore. Then how does that impact how we go about trying to cure or immunize against diseases? Well, so the more we learn about these signals, like, for example, we found that white blood cells, when they're traveling through the body to, to, to get to an infection, need signals from blood vessels that give directions. They need signals from platelets. And when they get to the infection, they need signals from the local tissue to stay just long enough so it doesn't keep causing inflammation and make a chronic illness out of an acute illness. So these are all through signals. So by finding these signals, we can begin to create new treatments. So the new treatments are, for example, T cells attacking cancers. We use microbes and viruses to attack cancers. Those are kind of well-known in the media, but there will be a many, many other ways, um, uh, gut cells and immune cells talking with microbes in the gut, helping with infections. Um, the blood cells talk to the stem cells in an organ, so we'll eventually be able to help regenerate organs by learning about these signals from the blood vessel cell to the stem cells. It, anywhere you look in a disease entity, we now have to find the wide-ranging conversations, and once we know those, we can then uh, develop treatments. So it's a whole new world of treatments. And and that's um, and this is is really cutting edge new stuff. Um, the well, I, I guess maybe the way I want to go at it, John, is um, is this cutting edge new stuff, or are we just looking at stuff we already knew differently? Well, when I looked around, um, I was reviewing the very detailed scientific papers that are really hard to understand. They involve, it's like talking of the foreign language called genetics or molecular biology. You really can't, it's just gobbledygook, most of it. Uh, and what I was doing was translating this molecular biology into English, and then it eventually dawned on me that there was no place where it was simply stated what was really happening, where most treatments are looking for these signals and that the cells are constantly signaling. So what I did is I put together a large amount of information uh, to show how this occurs everywhere, all through nature, 
including plants, including microbes, but all through the human body, certainly. So it's not like this is new. It's just that it's been hidden by jargon. Um, <laughs> I, I understand how that can happen, John. <laughs> so, so I've basically tried to translate the jargon and show that this is the way we're going to be looking for cells. So, for example, we're, we're running out of antibiotics, but the fact is phage viruses that attack viruses could be the next type of treatment. Uh, we are already using viruses to attack cancers and other diseases, and we're using uh, certain microbes to attack cancers, and we're using T-cells. Now, all of that is based upon the fact that these cells are naturally talking to each other. So the fact that they're naturally talking to each other, all we're doing is really manipulating or using the communication avenues that are open uh, to, to send new signals that would be treatments. Um, there's an, an interesting uh, thing in the notes uh, accompanying uh, information that, that I used in... in uh, wanting to to set up this conversation with you and it has to do with stress and anxiety um yep. and you talk about short-term stress being uh, beneficial because of what it does to t-cells but long-term stress being different um what are some examples of short-term stress versus long-term Stress and, and how do those two things behave differently? Well, short-term stress is like an exam. You're studying for an exam, and it's going to last, you know, days or a week, but it's not going to go on forever. And what happens is because of the revved-up interest that occurs, uh, immune cells are triggered as well as brain cells, and the signals from the immune system tell the memory system to work harder and to learn more. And it actually, we actually create new cells, a small number, it's probably less than a thousand a day in adults, um, in the memory centers of the brain. And under short-term stress, the signals would be increase that. Now, if it's long-term stress, um, which a lot of us are experiencing now with uh, with COVID and uh, the financial issues. So if, if there's long-term terrible stress, then what happens is the signals do the opposite. The T-cell signals, it's as if they become exhausted and they say less brain cells, less memory cells. And that happens in depression, which is a little bit similar to long-term chronic stress. Um, you get signals from the immune T-cells to have less new brain cells, and therefore memory goes down somewhat. Um, so, but these communications are going back and forth. So, for example, after, so we have the illness, the T-cell tells the brain cell, create the sick feeling, where we feel sick. When the illness is over, the T-cell then says, no, go back to normal, and it sends a regular pulse of signals to keep the brain at normal uh, consciousness, not the sick consciousness. More with neuropsychiatrist and author of The Secret Language of Cells, Dr. John Leaf, straight ahead. 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. Fabulous 60s, the marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artist who made them famous. You're thrilled to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Ballet Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel. Who can ever forget this all-time classic? Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff Snareplane, Lothar and Hand People, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70K. Tom Sumner. 
TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with neuropsychiatrist and author of The Secret Language of Cells, Dr. John Leaf, straight ahead. And what about people's uh, general attitude? Um, if, if people tend to be, you know, sort of um, uh, low-key, low-energy, or, uh, uh, or whatever the opposite of upbeat is, um, does that play a different role um, in, in how you respond and react to various illnesses? Well, yes, but we don't know a lot about it yet. In other words, what we know is that this type of signaling is happening, but depression or uh, chronic feelings of depression, we still don't understand exactly how that works, but the more but now we at least know where to look. In other words, we weren't looking gotcha. at the at the immune interaction before, and now we are. So that would lead us to believe that in the, in the future we would have new, completely different kind of treatments than we have now uh, for depression. And, and you say that this, um, this signaling between T-cells and neurons um, helps explain why acupuncture, for example, is effective. Well, that's fascinating, yes. It gives the mechanism... Uh, for a long time, people wondered how acupuncture works because it doesn't correlate with regular anatomy. In other words, you normally think if you're going to have energy, you know, meridians in the body, it would have something to do with the blood or with neurons. But the acupuncture points really don't. So how does this happen? Well, the new science of signaling shows that this kind of signaling is happening all over the body. It's happening in the tissues also. So you stick a needle in your wrist, and it's not near a neuron, and it's not near a blood vessel, but it is near a T-cell. And it stimulates that T-cell in the tissue, which then sends a secreted molecule through the tissue, a signal, and that eventually hits the neuron, who then picks it up and carries it through the brain, and it can affect the body, you know, in the complete, you know, it can affect the kidney in somewhere totally different than the wrist. And so this has been shown, this is proven. Um, so it can be not, effective in eliminating pain? Well, more than pain, it can actually affect um, infections also. Uh, it, what's been discovered through all of this is that there are neuroimmune circuits where neurons can affect inflammation, both making it more or less. So you can, by influencing neurons, you can also affect how we respond to infections and to chronic, um, chronic inflammation, which are like autoimmune diseases, things like that. Now, again, this is early research. It's been proven what I said in certain examples. And so my assumption is that this is how uh, acupuncture generally works, but 
there's only so much research. There's been research on these infections, there's been research on pain, um, but a lot more has to be done. Now, the uh, the kinds of things that, that you're talking about in the book, The Secret Language of Cells, um, I've been hearing things about cancer treatments where um, things have been injected into the actual cancer cells. Um, yep. And is, is that the kind of thing that we're talking about, or is that included in yes, this? Yes, but of course... It's, of course, it's impossible for us to take a needle and go into every cell in the cancer. So um, what we do is we, because cancers are talking to bacteria and to viruses um, and to T cells, we alter all three of those in different ways for different cancers, and then they attack the individual cancer cell. So you have T cells are not used to doing cancer. They're more used to doing infections. So they're used to a big, big battle, and then it's over. Cancer lasts for a long, long time. So most ordinary T cells aren't up to it in terms of completely defeating a cancer. They may attack a little section of it, but they're not going to get the whole thing because they're going to get exhausted because they're not used to it. But however, you can alter the T cell and put special, um, through genetic engineering, put in a new you know, piece of DNA, or, and then that T cell will continue to fight a particular kind of can- part of the cancer. Now, cancers are varied. Within the cancer, there could be five different completely types of cancer because it's based upon usually there's 30, 40 mutations. And when you get a new mutation in an area, it starts to divide and separate, and so you get like a little subset of cancer. So you need T cells that will go after each type within the cancer cell. The same is true with altered viruses, like you pick a poliovirus or a rabies virus, which are very, very effective at going after cells. We alter them so they're not going to cause polio and, and rabies, but instead we put a message, a signal in that virus, and then that virus will track down the cancer cells and go uh, and, and kill the cancer cells. Now, this is all based upon the fact that we now know that there are natural conversations between these viruses and the cancer cells. If there weren't, it wouldn't work because the virus wouldn't know where to go. It wouldn't go to the right place. So the fact that the virus naturally talks to the cell means we can devise these treatments. And again, it's all based on this new view of how biology works, based upon signals. And, and according to your book, um, these uh, neuron signals um, work in tandem with immune cells when responding to infections, cancer, and trauma, and then produce an inflammatory response. What, what is the function of the inflammatory response? Well, inflammation is the way the body deals with in, intruders, invasion, and trauma. It's a way of bringing cells to the chaotic area and then rebuilding it. And so inflammation is a positive thing. However, once it's done its work, if it continues, it becomes a chronic infection or it can become an autoimmune infection. 
Um, so it needs to be tamped down. In other words, the, and there are many different kinds of inflammation. Inflammation is based upon what. So the local tissue says, I need this particular immune cell and this. I need A, B, and C. So th- th- those particular cells are sent to the inf- to the site, and they then fight the microbe, or they rebuild from the trauma. Um, so there are many different kinds of inflammation, and again, what type occurs is based upon the cells signaling and asking specific types of cells to come. There are many kinds of immune cells, and there are many kinds of inflammation. But then the most important signals are afterwards, where we say, okay, enough, and we now want signals to say, get these cells out of here, and, uh, you know, we've now fixed it, we've killed the microbes, we've rebuilt some of the tissue, we now have to stop the inflammation. So stopping it is at least as important as starting it. But it, it's interesting that, that there is an importance in starting it because I hear people talking about anti-inflammatory, you know, medications and right. diets and, and so on. And it, and it would seem like that, that too much of a war on inflammation might not be the best thing. Well, I'll give you one example. It's a very complicated subject that we only know so much about. But, for example, on the skin, skin is much more active than people think. There are skin cells sending signals and talking to an army of um, immune cells that live on the skin. And they deal with the huge amount of uh, bacteria that they meet on the skin, but also the environmental things, the ultraviolet light, uh, trauma, Uh, You know, all kinds of things are happening, hurting the skin cells. So in order to maintain, but it's hard to get an immune cell to the skin. Uh, You know, that's not so simple. So what the skin does uh, is it maintains a low level of inflammation where there are enough sort of very low-level immune cells doing something but not a lot and then when a big problem occurs a bug bite a a trauma an infection suddenly they can multiply and you can then bring uh, signals to bring more immune cells and really attack the problem so there is a, a naturally a low level of inflammation on the skin and that's necessary to have enough help available whether that's true in other places I mean, it's, it's true in, um, in the gut, but it's a very complicated subject that is just beginning to be researched. But again, having this new view of where to research is what my book is about. That's why we have to be looking in these places for, for the signals. And, you know, I, I was glad that you talked about jargon and, and how that can often hide the the real information because people don't know the language that's being used. But with this new book, The Secret Language of Cells, what is is your goal? Who is this best for? Healthcare professionals or people that uh, that are are just curious about what's being done um, in health and wellness? It's really for anyone who wants to understand what modern medicine is all about. So they may have relatives who are ill, they may be ill, they may just be interested, 
but it's also relevant to understanding what is health and what is disease. But it's also very important for health professionals uh, to learn this. Uh, most of them, you know, medical students, doctors. The, the doctors who have reviewed the book found it to be new, you know, and they say it's very important. We have had multiple reviews that are, well, you can see them right now. I mean, they're, they'll be in the book when it comes out on Tuesday, but you can see them on Amazon. They have a bunch of reviews there, and a lot of the doctors are saying, you know, this is a new way to look at it, and I think uh, it's valuable both for anyone who's interested in illness and how modern medicine works, really works, and also health uh, health providers and, and even well, yeah, and Andrew Weil from the uh, Arizona College of Medicine calls it a new paradigm for understanding health and disease. Yes, and um, yeah, I've written a number of posts about exactly what that new paradigm means. But it, what it really means is it, it, we're now looking at the collaboration of a lot of cells, and it determines everything that happens physiologically. It's not just you don't just look at one thing. You have to look at the collaboration going on through signaling among a variety of cells. It's a conversation going on. So that is the new paradigm. And I, I, I'm not even sure exactly how to frame this question, but I, I guess the point is, what does this knowledge do for things that that we want to tackle, uh, like COVID-19, for example? Well, COVID-19, um, I do have uh, a lot about viruses, because what's fascinating is that many scientists don't even think a virus is alive, because it's really basically just a piece of DNA or RNA with some proteins, but there's a lot of reason to believe that it is alive. That's a whole other subject I can talk about, but maybe 30 years ago, we realized that microbes are sending signals, but it's only recently that we've really learned those signals are the way that microbes influence our life and human cells, so we've learned a lot about bacterial signals, but viruses were considered too small to even be considered the same as a bacteria. But three years ago, it was discovered that viruses send signals. The first signal was discovered. Now, I've been writing about that for a long time because their behavior is so complicated and elaborate, they had to be sending signals, but, but we couldn't find them because they were too small. Um, but now, three years ago, they discovered the first signal among viruses and then in the years, in these past three years, they've now discovered 15 different species that have elaborate signals. Uh, some of them work together among various species. The, the viruses tell their group whether they should kill the bacteria that they're living off of or leave them alive. So when we learn about these virus signals, which will take some time, we will know a lot more about it. Um, so, but people don't understand that viruses are not all negative. Viruses are the main source of information in, in all of biology. They're constantly sending, they have more um, genes 
than any all the other species combined, and they're transferring them all the time. So, for example, uh, 8% of our cells are old viruses, and one of those products from the old virus creates a molecule, syncytium, that allows us to have a placenta. So the placenta, the human placenta, is an invention of an embedded virus. There are others. They are very involved in stem cells. They're very involved in uh, helping the brain. So there's a lot of positive um, stuff coming from the embedded viruses in our cells. Now, 50%, I'm going to get too complicated here, probably shouldn't even discuss this, but 50% of our DNA are what's called jumping genes, which are virus-like particles, and the cell has to control them, but they produce a lot of products that are very valuable to our function. So we are living off of some virus proteins, no question about it, and they're very important and positive. Viruses are also positive in the gut, we discovered, for example, in the mucus, a lot of viruses protect our cells from invading bacteria. And so these are our friends, our friendly viruses in the gut. And these are produced because our gut cells communicate to the bacteria, and these viruses come with the bacteria, but they're signaling back and forth. So viruses are a mixed bag. They're the major life form on Earth. They have the major amount to do with evolution. They've brought uh, most of the information. But when we encroach upon certain animals' territories, we unleash viruses that we're not used to and that can be very, very damaging, as has happened here. Gotcha. The, um, just, just one last thing. Um, why have we not been able this is this is just a, a kind of tongue in cheek question john but why have we not been able to tackle the common cold well the common cold is very complicated it's a virus that is very clever i write in my book i have sections on how clever viruses are i mean here they're just a piece of dna but yet they can evade our complicated systems to attack them. They go right into the middle of our nucleus and, and manipulate it. They take over the whole cell. It's amazing that just a piece of DNA or RNA can do that. Um, so there's more to this story than we're aware of yet. But, uh, I mean, the flu is one thing. The flu changes every year, so it's like trying to keep up with it. But the other cold viruses are complicated. Uh, it, how they operate is complicated, and we're just beginning to learn about that. It's a fascinating field of research. I it, mean, it's, it's growing rapidly, and I think we will get uh, treatments for the cold. It is, and, and people uh, reading the book, um, The Secret Language of Cells, can learn a lot more about what we've been talking about. And, John, we're, we're just about out of time but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and about the work you're doing and um, this book and so, other projects. Do you have a website? Yes, my website is called uh, Searching for the Mind. 
It's also called John Leaf, M.D., but no one knows how to spell Leaf. It's L-I-E-F-F, and it's J-O-N. <laughs> but, um, so, so it's easier <laughs> to remember searching for the mind. That's my website. That's also Facebook, and it's also John Leaf, M.D. is Twitter. So every day I put out posts and articles. Uh, there's a lot of information on my website um, on a lot of subjects, including animal intelligence, uh, insect intelligence, uh, but uh, and and stuff about the brain and the human condition. Uh, but uh, so I would say the website, you know, search through it or uh, get involved with tw- Twitter or Facebook, and and you'll see the posts coming. Uh, the book is coming out on Tuesday, so it's available uh, soon. Well, John, thank you so much for spending this time with me. And uh, um, I'm I'm kind of a a luddite and uh, not particularly bright, so a lot of this is way over my head. But thanks for explaining it uh, to me and to all of us in your book, The Secret Language of Cells. John, thanks so much. Well, it's been very kind to have you have me on your show. Thank you very much. Take care. That was uh, Dr. John Leaf, neuropsychiatrist and author of The Secret Language of Cells. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange, it's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. 
Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman Steady Sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman Sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name this was This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. <laughs> The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson rises in sympathetic anguish at 2 o'clock in the morning as poor husband John, victim of contagious insomnia, or Schmoe's disease, broadcasts the telltale symptoms during the crucial stage of the dread ailment. Let's listen. It doesn't sound human. He's got it worked out in a regular pattern. (laughs) Now he'll get amused. <laughs> oh, oh no, John, John! Hmm? What? Why aren't you laughing, John? John, wake up! Hmm. You should be giggling and you're crying. What's the matter with you? What's What's the matter, Blanche? You're not snoring like you usually do. Hmm? I was just getting used to your whining and giggling, but now you start crying and it throws me off completely. What are you talking about? You've got to stop it, John. I've never been so sick in all my life, and you won't let me get a minute's sleep. I don't. Feel well. What hurts you, Blanche? Everything hurts me. Call Dr. Marvin. You don't need Dr. Marvin. I'll take care of you. Tell me where it hurts. It's those clams we had tonight. I didn't want to eat them, but you kept insisting. You kept telling me that clams are healthy. What clams are healthy? They are not. They are, too. Did you ever hear one complain? I ate more than you did, and I feel perfectly horrible. I mean, fine. Where does it hurt you? I think I'm poisoned. My whole body aches, and I've got a terrible shooting pain between my shoulder blades. Well, lie still, and I'll fry you some cucumbers and hot root beer. Fried cucumbers and hot root beer? Make a new man of you. You just want to finish me off, that's all. Oh, Blanche, I'm only going to make a poultice out of it. It draws out the pain. It's a new medical discovery. What's the matter with an old-fashioned mustard plaster? Okay, I'll fix you an old-fashioned mustard plaster. Where's the bourbon? Bourbon? What's that for? To soak the mustard plaster. John Bickerson. Don't worry, I'll scrape the mustard off first. Where's the bottle? I'm not going to stick any bourbon-soaked plaster on my back. You don't stick it on your back. You hold it over your mouth and squeeze it. Put on the lights. I will not. I don't want you to touch me. I'll bet you're not sick at all. You just thought this pain up to keep me awake. Why don't you leave me alone? I can just hear you saying that to Gloria Gooseby. Why should I say that to Gloria Gooseby? Why, indeed. If you were married to Gloria Gooseby, she wouldn't stand for any of your nonsense. Well, I'm not married to her, and she stands for a lot more of my nonsense than you do. What do I care what she stands for? I despise Gloria Gooseby, and you know it. Then why does she keep staring at you like she's hypnotized? She doesn't stare. It's just that she wears those outlandish dresses, and they bring out her eyes. They bring out yours, too. Now look, Blanche, let's make a pact never to mention that woman's name again as long as we live. Well, I keep thinking there's something between you. I swear, I don't even know she's alive. She doesn't mean more to you than I do? She means even less to me than you do. I I don't like the way that sounded. Well, don't go looking for hidden meanings. Now, if you're really sick, I'll do anything you want to make you feel better. But if you feel okay, all I ask is that you let me have a few hours sleep. I did have a little headache before, but now I've lost it. It isn't lost. I've got it. 
Every morning when I go to work, I'm bleary-eyed and I stumble around the office in a stupor. I don't know how much longer my boss is going to stand for it. Why do you stumble around, John? Well, because I don't get enough sleep. I'm completely debilitated. Why, only last week I failed to pass the insurance examination. Was it the same examination you had before? Well, certainly. Then why didn't you copy the answers off the old policy? It's not answers they want. They give you a medical checkup, and apparently I'm not such an ideal physical specimen. I think you're wonderful. You've got the nicest legs of any man I've ever seen. I don't think I'm long for this world. Am I responsible for it, John? No. I am, too. I know I am. John, can I talk to you? Sure, go ahead and talk. I've been thinking about how we quarrel all the time, and I'm sure we love each other as much as any other married couple, and I know they must have their little arguments, and maybe more than some, I just... John! You said I could talk to you! Well, am I stopping you? I want you to listen. Okay. I didn't know your health was bad, and I'm worried... Anything happened to you, and I'd blame myself for not taking the proper precautions. You know what I think. What do you think, Blanche? I think you ought to make out a will. Make out a will? I thought you were worried about me. Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercy of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead... Don't talk like that. Can't you say passed on or something like that? Well, you always say drop dead. That's only when I'm talking to your brother Amos. You should be a little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Well, because you make it sound like I'm going to go at any minute. Well, they don't give you two weeks' notice, you know. You just told me you couldn't get any more insurance. Oh, I can get all the insurance I want. I don't care. You should make out a will just the same. Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow. You say it, but you won't do it. What? Get up and do it now. Go on, get up, make out a will. Wait, you're out of your mind. In the first place, a will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses. And in the second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place. Unless you're thinking of that phony stock your thieving brother sold me. What phony stock? Those 500 shares of Kentucky Saltpeter. They're not worth the paper they're written on. Nobody's going to take anything, and I don't need a will. You're the most stubborn man that ever lived, John. Why? Why am I stubborn? It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. There's a woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will, and nobody can touch anything except you, okay? Now you've got all my worldly goods. Next thing you know, you get over your grief and marry a guy without a dollar to his name, like that broken-down snore specialist, Dr. Marvin. Oh, I'm not going to marry anybody. He'll give up his practice, take you for every penny, my hard-earned money, the little possessions I slaved for. He'll drive my brand-new car, drink my bourbon, loaf around like a prince. John? Why don't you make the bum get a job, Blanche? For heaven's sake, John, what's gotten into you? Well, why did you start all this talk about Will? Well, I'll tell you. Amos just got a job as a notary public. Amos? And he gets $2 for every seal he puts on a will. I knew he was at the bottom of it, that chiseling, grasping... There's nothing wrong with my brother Amos. No? You're just jealous because he thinks up ways to make a living without working. Uh Uh-huh. All it takes is a little brains. Well, nobody's got littler brains than Amos. He's the cause of 90% of our fights. Oh, go to sleep. Ha! 
Go to sleep, she tells me, practically coaxes me into a funeral, gets her brother to steal my will, keeps me up half the night with Gloria Gooseby and clams. Now she tells me, go to sleep. I can't sleep. Never sleep another wink as long as... <sighs> Hello, the, the phone's dead. It's, it's leaking. Put down that bottle of bourbon. I'll get the phone. I wonder who's calling at this hour. I can't imagine. Ow, my leg! Oh, put the lights on. The lights are on. Take off my sleep shoes. Oh, hello? Blanche, this is Amos. Oh, what do you want, Amos? Hey, did you talk him into it? No, and I'm not going to try anymore. What are you talking about? Everybody's got to have a will. I drew mine up today. I left everything I have in the world to Jekyll. John. Huh? Amos said he drew up his will today and left everything he has in the world to you. Tell him I don't want her. Amos, John says he's very pleased. Fine. And you know, one good turn deserves another. Sure. I'll talk to him tomorrow. It's very important to have a will, Blanche. There's a big case going on right now. All the relatives are fighting over the dough because the rich old lady didn't file a will. Really? Yeah. She had $100,000 in cash and hid it in the bustle of her wedding dress. Hey, tell Jacko. John. Yeah? An old lady died, and they found $100,000 in her bustle. That's a lot of money to leave behind. He says that's a... Never mind. I heard him. I'll bring my notary seal around tomorrow, Blanche. You better wait until I call you. Good night, Amos. Oh, dear. John. John! Mm -hmm. I've got that shooting pain between my shoulder blades again. Oh? Let's have a look. Right right here. It must be arthritis or neuralgia. It hits me like a like a knife. What is it, John? It's it's the price tag on your nightgown. Here. Oh, no wonder my back was hurting. Holy smokes, forty eight fifty? Is that what that nightgown costs? Yes, I just bought it this morning. Ah. What's the matter, John? Now my back is hurting. Good night, Blanche. Good night, John. Thank you for calling North Shore Dock. Due to the current stay-home order, we are experiencing longer-than-normal delays. Your patience is appreciated. Thank you. North Shore Doc. Just say you're my husband. Okay, okay, I will. Hello? Hi, I, I, uh, I need to get my boat in before the weekend for Memorial Day. You probably need my name. It's Dr. Mark Mallory. Dr. Well, Doctor, we are too backed up right now, so there's no chance that can happen this weekend. Just say you're my husband, you little bitch. Uh, okay, well, what if I was to tell you that I may just happen to be the husband of the governor? Would that make a difference? No. The husband of Governor Gretchen Whitmer? Does that name ring a bell? Yes, sir. So now, how soon can you get my boat in? Not this weekend, sir. You do realize I am known as Michigan's first gentleman, don't you? Okay. That means nothing to you? Not really, sir. 
You tell him to get our boat in the water or I'll shut down all of Traverse City so fast his head will spin. Did you hear that? My wife is not playing games here. We want our boat in the water this weekend. Do you understand? I understand, sir. But there's no chance that can happen this weekend. He won't let us? What do we do? <sighs> just hang up. Uh, oh, uh, actually, I was just joking. Prank caller, prank caller, baba booey, baba booey. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hi, I'm Alexander Zajic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.